All right, so I have lived in eastern North Carolina for uh, for most of my life. Outside of going off to school for a few years, I have always been very proud and very happy to call eastern North Carolina my home. I absolutely love it here. I come from the generation. I know I've run into people or I'll see on Facebook or whatever it is all the time where people growing up always talked about how they couldn't wait to get out of Newburgh. Couldn't wait. Could not wait. <clears throat> excuse me. Could not wait to get out of Newburgh. And I always thought that was the craziest thing because I have I have always loved New Bern. I've loved the surrounding areas. I always tell people New Bern is perfectly placed where you can get to the beach in no time. You can get to a larger city if you want to in no time. It's peaceful. If you're someone who likes who loves the water the way that I do, then that makes it even more appealing. I have tons of family here in the area. So for me, it's always been a no-brainer. This is the area of the country that I want to call home forever. I love it here. But I'm not going to lie that once or twice a year, this place massively disappoints me. And it always happens around this time of year. I was driving around town yesterday, and I'm not real hip to what the weather is always going to be. But I had heard some rumors and some whispers that there may be some snow. That there may be some snow. So I did a little bit of my own research, checked my weather apps. Didn't seem like it would be much of a threat. Passed by several gas stations yesterday and was scratching my head as there was a line leaking onto Glen Burnie Road coming out of the gas station as people were lined up making sure that they were prepared ahead of the 2021 blizzard here. And I rolled my eyes a little bit. And then I'm laying in bed last night, finishing up watching the NC State game. I'm like, all right, you know what? Let me check this weather one more time. Somebody's sharing a map from the local news stations. And they've got, you know, if you're in this area, you can expect two to three inches. If you're in this area, maybe one to two inches. If you're in this area, half an inch to trace amounts of snow. Fingers crossed. Look, it's like, hey, everything's supposed to start up maybe three, four, five in the morning. So because my internal clock is just thinking, hey, you might get to see some snow. Because at the end of the day, that's all I really wanted. But just to see a little bit of snow. I'm up at like 5 o'clock, and I go and I look out my window. It's just wet and miserable. (laughs) I go back to bed for a little while. Wake up again, and it's just wet and miserable. All I ever saw was just wet and miserableness. And granted, I know it's just because, you know, Newburn position right here, the Twin Rivers, right? Right between the Trent and the Noose River, and I'm sure there's some warmer air coming off of the water. I'm not a weatherman, but these are the things you hear. Newburn is always smack dab right in the damn middle of getting some actual real snow, and then it's just teasing you a little bit. And that's what I had to deal with today, just teasing me a little bit. Now, I walked outside, and my yard is soaking wet because I feel like it hasn't stopped raining for two months. My yard has been reduced to nothing more than a mud puddle. There's standing water all in my yard. It was a little crunchy, a little icy this morning, and I was freezing cold. But it would have made it better if I had just gotten to see a little bit of snow. And sadly, of course, because it wouldn't have messed my day up at all. You know, I don't even want a snow day. I was having this conversation with my girlfriend yesterday. Okay, you know who I feel bad for today are like the kids who are still in school. And I'd seen a couple counties uh, across our state had done this where they said, you know, especially more towards the central part of the state and the western part of the state. They basically said, hey, you know, we're not going to do the virtual learning today. 
Let's just throw it back one time for these kids. Let's let, let everybody just enjoy the snow day today. We understand that we have, we've been doing the virtual classes from home. You guys are accustomed to it. But let's just be human beings for a second and look within ourselves and decide that we will not force these kids to do a virtual day of learning. I know Greenville, Greenville listeners, you guys got some snow. I saw some pictures of Dowdy Ficklin's field with the snow blanketed over it. Look very beautiful today. But for the kids here in Craven County, in the surrounding areas, but we didn't get jack squat for snow, other than maybe some occasional flurries in the middle of the night. My heart goes out to you today. My heart goes out to you today. There has been a terminology, and look, I love our local weathermen, especially those guys that are there at Channel 12, Les Still, Donnie Cox. I mean, that's a squad right there. But you guys need to curtail <laughs> the way that you hype up and pump up a potential snowstorm. And please just be reminded that we have been here, we have been through this. And when you tell a little kid that there is going to be a snow day, and there is no snow day, he's going to be heartbroken. Some of the my greatest memories of my childhood, same as y'all, snow days. Going and just spending the whole entire Wednesday afternoon when I'm supposed to be in school, marching through the woods, we never had the fancy snow boots. My mom did the thing where she would tie grocery bags around our shoes before we went outside, <laughs> which I always appreciated. But you spend the whole day, you know, wandering through the woods. You fall in a ditch somewhere. You're soaking wet. You're nearly hypothermic. My mom always made beef stew on a snow day. Great memories. And there were kids who went to bed last night, hoping and praying and peeking out their window all throughout the evening that they were going to wake up to at least see enough snow to where the good people at the Craven County School Board may or may not have allowed them to just blow the day off and spend it outside playing in the snow. And we didn't get it. So I love Eastern North Carolina. But man, it's, I, I, I don't even need the snow day. I just need like a light dusting of snow. Enough to see it, enough to visually stun me for a few hours. And then I need it to melt and get out of my life because it's a massive inconvenience to things that I like to do. But I hope you all survived the snow day blizzard. I hope you folks up in Pitt County um, got to enjoy a little bit of the snow day and, and cherish those moments. Because down here in Craven County, down here right in the heart of New Bern, nothing. Not, not a thing. Not a thing. <laughs> I was talking to Mark this morning. Um, he, of course, Mark Panicelli. You can catch him 8 to 10 weekday mornings right here on 252 ESPN Radio. He has a bit of a longer drive into work than I do. And he was telling me, you know, he, he woke up and, and there was snow and the snow was coming down. And as he inched his way closer to New Bern, it was just more and more depressing because the snow was dissipating. And then you get here and uh, there was absolutely nothing. So the snow day was taken from us and uh, we should not be surprised. I mean, I am not surprised, but people in the gas, like, are you worried that gas prices are going up because of some things that are potentially going on in the world or... What what is the what is the freak out over gas? Like you don't need a whole tank of gas to make it to work in the morning. A light dusting, which is even the most we could have hoped for, isn't going to prevent you from being able to go to a gas station. What is the obsession with the gas and the bread and the milk and the milk sandwiches? <laughs> Calm down, people. It's just a little snow or no snow. If I ever I find the weatherman who can accurately predict snow all the time and never let me down, because the map that I saw last night, and we don't partner with them. We're partnered with Channel 12. I saw a map shared from Channel 9, and they were dead wrong. Shame on you, Channel 9. <laughs> Shame on you. 
This is the Sam Avila Show. Happy Thursday to you. Happy little Friday, as we like to say here on the show. Today's show, of course, being brought to you by Toyota of New Bern. Hey, don't forget, going on right now, they have the coloring contest running through the rest of the week going on at Toyota of New Bern. You can head to toyotaofnewburn.com. You can head to Snapdragon Toy Store in downtown New Bern. You can also just head out to Toyota of New Bern's location just outside of James City here in New Bern and participate in the coloring contest. What does that entail? Well, it means that you get to create the new Yoda character, Y-O-T-A, Yota character, that will be featured in next month's advertising for Toyota of New Bern. And if your submission is selected, you will also receive a $50 Snapdragon gift card. That's right, Snapdragon in downtown New Bern, partnering up with Toyota of New Bern. $50 gift card to the winner. So stop by Snapdragon or stop by Toyota or just head to toyotaofnewburn.com for more information. As always, Toyota of New Bern the premier car dealership here in eastern north carolina not only do they just sell great toyota vehicles but they can service any make or any model at their service center that's right they have 22 bays in their service facility i want you to just like visualize that 22 service bays lined up that's a lot that's a lot at the same time, they also offer loaner vehicles, Wi-Fi, internet, a children's play area, a complimentary coffee bar, and a comfortable lounge for you to wait in. So even if you are not just in the market for a new vehicle, if you just want, if you just want to get some service done on your car, well, Toyota of Newburn is the spot for you. That's Toyota of Newburn, proud sponsors of us here on the Sam Avalis Show. Uh, Von Casey's going to be here with me very briefly today. A little touch and go. Von Casey should be here in the next segment, I believe. Uh, Deshaun Watson in the news again. Now, let me just start there real briefly. I don't want to spend too much time on the Deshaun Watson thing because we have talked about this um, a lot so far. I wanted to start with the NC State Wake Forest game last night, but we can go. We can just do some Deshaun Watson stuff here real quick. Um, if you missed it, I'm sure you've heard it on all the national shows throughout the day today. Adam Schefter reported earlier this morning that Deshaun Watson has officially has officially requested a trade from the Houston Texans. Okay, officially requested trade from the Houston Texans. I'm trying to um, find the exact tweet here. Okay, this is from Schefter. This is verbatim. Deshaun Watson officially has requested a trade from the Houston Texans per league sources. He actually did it weeks ago. Their new head coaching hire, David Culley, has not and will not alter Watson's thinking. There have also been some reports since then, since that report earlier this morning, that the Texans have no interest in trading away Deshaun Watson. And I can't say I necessarily blame them there because I have said from Jump Street the same thing with Watson, as we were saying about Aaron Rodgers earlier in this week, if you are that organization, if you are the Texans, or you are the Packers, uh, why would you ever trade away the guy who you've got? Mark and I were actually having a conversation about this this morning. If you're the Packers, and I don't think they're going to trade Aaron Rodgers, but how are you ever going to upgrade that position over Aaron Rodgers? You're simply not, and Aaron Rodgers got enough winning time left in his career to do so. If you're the Houston Texans, you've got to be thinking that even more so. You just committed to a huge contract with Deshaun Watson this past offseason, but then you did everything you could to destroy that relationship. You let Bill O'Brien remain too, remain there too long, and while he was there, he broke up 
probably the most exciting, young, dynamic, wide receiver, quarterback duo in the league, probably even more appealing than the Patrick Mahomes-Tyreek Hill relationship, which is hard to fathom. Uh, But Hopkins and Watson were that special, and both right around the same age. You let Bill O'Brien screw everything up. You bring in Romeo Cornell. He's he's fine. He's Romeo Cornell. He spends the year as the interim coach. Deshaun Watson does all he can all season long. Leads the league in passing yards. You only end up winning three games. So at least maybe you got a good draft pick, right? No, we got to rewind another year ago where Bill O'Brien, because goes way back when Bill O'Brien started screwing that team up, uh, gave away, what was it, two, three first-round picks to bring in Laramie Tunsil? a slightly above-average left tackle. He traded all those picks away to the Miami Dolphins, who now you would have had, if you were the Texans, the number three pick in this upcoming draft. You don't have it anymore. (laughs) So you got nothing. But you have Deshaun Watson as your building block. And so you've got to think, if you're the Houston Texans, all you want to do is protect and try to save that relationship that you have with Deshaun Watson just a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> so what do they do? They they go and they hire a general manager who has no relationship with Deshaun Watson, and it isn't really even the kind of guy that he wants. Here's an interesting nugget that I did not know that I have learned over the last day or two about Nick Casario. Nick Casario, who is the new general manager with the Houston Texans. Okay, I knew he was a Patriots guy. Did you know what he used to be as a Patriot? Did you know what he used to be as a Patriot? He was the team chaplain. Yes, the general manager for the Houston Texans used to be the New England Patriots team chaplain. And I'm not hating on that. Look, everybody's got their own spirituality thing, whatever it is. I myself grew up in a Christian church in eastern North Carolina, so you can probably understand where I come from on a lot of that. But if you're an NFL team, it seems to me if you've already damaged your relationship with your quarterback because you had an incompetent general manager, and I'm not saying Nick Casario is completely incompetent as a general manager. I'm just saying this guy doesn't really have a track record of having any kind of success for building a team. It's not like he was the general manager when he was in New England. I want to look it up and see exactly what it was that his last role was with New England. Uh, let's see, yes, went from being the team chaplain and then uh, was the personnel assistant and then the director of pro personnel for the last 12 years for Casario. I guess that's not terrible, but it's a guy who kind of has a weird track to becoming a general manager. You bring him in, it was reported that Deshaun Watson was upset because he wasn't consulted about any of this, and um, an already frayed relationship gets strained even more. So then yesterday happened, where there's all these rumors about who some of these next coaches are going to (laughs) be. And the guy that the Eagles hired last week falls into the same category, because I didn't even know who the heck this guy was. And I saw a really, I can't even remember the new Eagles coach's name. I'm an Eagles fan, and I can't remember this kid's name, because he is a kid, which is a little bit more exciting than... um, Nick Sirianni, okay, Nick Sirianni, who's a young guy, was the offensive coordinator uh, the last couple years in Indianapolis. 
at least with Nick Sirianni as an Eagles fan, I was happy because it was a young guy. I don't mind taking a shot on the young and the upcoming guys. People like to make fun of that ever since Sean McVay came around as the wonder kid. But if my options are kind of limited in my head coaching search, I have no problem taking a swing on a guy like Nick Sirianni the way that the Eagles did. High energy, has led some good offenses, is supposed to be innovative, la di da 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 I'm not even getting to the fact that Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a job now. All the vacancies have been filled, and the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl for the second straight year, and they have not lost a single member of that coaching staff to another job. <laughs> I understand why some people may think that seems a little unfair. I also stand by the fact that if you're Eric Bieniemy, why do you want to go to a job that's not calling plays? Or I don't think he calls the plays. I think Andy Reid does. Um, but why would you want to take a job that was not being the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs? Like, think about that to yourself realistically. You're Eric Bieniemy. Do you want to go take on the head coaching job of the Houston Texans organization? That is a smoldering dumpster fire at this point. It's well past the point of just blazing on fire. It is just smoldering and smoking now. There's nothing left. Why would you want that job when you can just go over there and hang out with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and just continue to stack that resume? That's what I would do. Anyways, I digress. The Houston Texans, they don't decide to take a no-name guy like Nick Sirianni. I remember when the Vegas odds came out, I saw a screen cap of the Vegas odds to who would be the next Eagles head coach on the day that they announced they were hiring Nick Sirianni. Do you know who wasn't even listed as an option to place a wager on? It was Nick Sirianni. That's how much of a dark horse this guy was. Fast forward a week later, David Culley, your new head coach for the Houston Texans. Same exact situation. Not many people had much of a clue who this guy was. Nobody even thought he really had an opportunity to get the Texans' job. Wasn't listed even on the card of Vegas odds to land the job. (laughs) My point about Nick Sirianni is at least this guy is young and there may be some potential there. The problem with David Culley, and very much why I think Deshaun Watson came out first thing this morning and said... Nope, I've requested that trade three weeks ago and made it official, and I am injecting myself back into the news cycle. Because David Culley is a 65-year-old wide receivers coach who is responsible for one of the biggest anomalies on an NFL football team that I have ever experienced in my life, the 2014 Kansas City Chiefs. You may not remember those Kansas City Chiefs teams because they were not nearly as exciting as the current ensemble that we have in Kansas City. But the 2014 Kansas City Chiefs made history when David Culley was their wide receivers coach. David Culley, the 65-year-old head coach, first-time head coach at the age of 65. I have my own feelings about that. It's not an ageism thing. It's just you would have thought if you were a great coach and a great candidate, you'd have gotten there by the age of 65. Bears fans, how you feeling about Vic Fangio? You understand why he was a defensive coordinator all his career? Not Bears fans, Broncos fans. Same team. <laughs> they both had too long of a stint with Jay Cutler and or Kyle Orton. 
David Culley and the 2014 Kansas City Chiefs were the team that was responsible for zero touchdowns by a wide receiver. And remember, David Culley was the wide receiver coach. Zero touchdowns through the entire course of an NFL season. You can go even further. I was reading this article about David Culley this morning on Pro Football Focus, which is, I've talked about that before. It's one of my favorite resources for sabermetrics, analytics, the big brain nerdy stuff that I just take at face value for the smart people who come up with these formulas to tell me this is an important statistic. But they grade out. The biggest and most basic thing is they grade out players. Grade out players. You know, like Aaron Donald's a 99. Patrick Mahomes a 99. I don't know what the scale's to, but... Per Pro Football Focus earlier this morning, wide receivers who earned an 80 or higher Pro Football Focus grade under the brand new head coach of the Houston Texans, David Culley, who has spent most of his career as a wide receivers coach. He was in Philadelphia for six years. He had zero wide receivers over that span who had a grade of 80 or higher. And 80 is not that high. 2013 to 2016, he had zero wide receivers who scored a pro football focus grade of 80 or higher. (laughs) 2019, 2020, and then most recently with the Ravens, zero wide receivers with a pro football focus grade of 80 or higher. If you're Deshaun Watson and you're sitting around and you're looking around the Texans organization and they've traded away DeAndre Hopkins, they attempted to trade away Will Fuller, and then they've got Brandon Cooks out there with his pudding concussion brain, and you're saying, I desperately need help. I'm Deshaun Watson. I am a top five quarterback. I just led the league in receiving yards. Can you at least bring me somebody who knows what the hell is going on on offense? The Houston Texans look at that and they say, sure. Let's bring you the guy who was literally responsible for a whole team of wide receivers going a 16-week NFL season with zero touchdowns. 2014, Kansas City Chiefs. DeAnthony Thomas. (laughs) Dwayne Bowe. Albert Wilson. Donnie Avery. Jason Avant. I'm not naming off incredible names here. But the wide receivers on that team. Zero touchdowns, zero touchdowns, zero touchdowns, zero touchdowns, zero touchdowns, zero touchdowns. The receiving touchdowns they got that season, admittedly, you might as well be treated as a wide receiver, but this was a little bit earlier in Travis Kelsey's career. He had five receiving touchdowns. Jamal Charles, remember that throwback name? As a running back, had five receiving touchdowns that year. And Anthony Fasano had four receiving touchdowns that year. But everybody else on the team who was a wide receiver, 16 weeks. Alex Smith was the quarterback, so it wasn't like Alex Smith is, you know, some total bum. 16 weeks, 16 games, zero wide receiver touchdowns. A guy who has nearly 18 years of history with having wide receivers who don't produce anything. Honestly, it might be genius. This might be the Texans playing chess when the rest of us are playing checkers because you know what they did? They said, well, we don't have any good wide receivers, so let's get a guy who's not good at coaching wide receivers. (laughs) How in the world do you spend 18 years as a wide receivers coach in the NFL 
and constantly produce bad wide receivers. It's like if you're a surgeon and every single person who hits the surgery table in front of you dies. And it's like, well, you know, I'm still a surgeon. (laughs) David Culley's like, I'm still a wide receivers coach. No, I'm not good at it, but I'm still a wide receivers coach. And the dude managed to just fall upwards and is now the head coach of the Houston Texans. So Deshaun Watson, honestly, I'm kind of getting sick of talking about him uh, because it's been like three and a half, four weeks now. But it's the biggest story in, in football. I mean, it's the biggest story in football. It's the first domino that needs to fall before we see what else, what else everybody else wants to do to react. Carolina Panthers fans, I think the ship has sailed on the Deshaun Watson thing. If it wasn't Scott Fitterer as your new general manager, I would think maybe, maybe I, would, I would have to. It would depend on who the guy is. But Scott Fitterer is not a huge risk kind of guy. He's not going to go out and you know mortgage. It's his first general manager job. If you're, would your first act as a general manager come in and scrap your draft picks for the next few years? I'm with you. Deshaun Watson would be a lot of fun. And the Panthers would, without a doubt, be better immediately with him. But we've talked about this earlier in the week. What is it going to cost you in the long run? So, Panthers fans, I don't know what's going to happen. I am throwing my hat into the ring of Deshaun Watson to San Francisco. I think that is, if you're Deshaun Watson and you think you want to go somewhere, you can win right away. In San Francisco, San Francisco, think they are similar to the Panthers um, in the fact that when John Lynch took over as the general manager there four years ago, five years ago, they had nothing, right? Post-Harbaugh, post-Kaepernick, the 49ers were one of the worst teams in the league. They had the number two pick. That's when they went out and drafted Nick Bosa. And then the year before that, what, they took the defensive tackle out of Stanford, Solomon Thomas. It's kind of how the Panthers are building, right? We're just a little bit further down the road. But if you're Deshaun Watson and you look at this 49ers team that – just a year ago was in the Super Bowl. And if it wasn't for all the massive injuries they've suffered in literally the first two weeks of the season, eh, they probably would have been more competitive this year. And even with a team decimated, a roster decimated by injuries, they were still pretty darn competitive this year. So that's that's my prediction. I'm throwing that out into the world. I'm going to uh, – it's, it's not a hot take. It's out there and rumored and whispered that Watson could end up in San Francisco. But you put him with Kyle Shanahan – Kyle Shanahan, who is responsible for um, the rise of Sean McVay, responsible for giving Matt Ryan an MVP trophy, responsible for getting the 49ers to the Super Bowl in two short years. That's a coach, if I'm a young quarterback, that I trust with my future. You know who it's not? It's not 65-year-old David Culley, who went a whole season. Does that even make sense? It it is lunacy to to sit here and say that this guy coached the wide receiver position for an NFL team for a whole season, and not a single touchdown was caught. (laughs) And the Texans are wondering why Deshaun Watson wants out. Mismanagement at its finest. Uh, but we got a fun show coming up. We are going to talk about some NC State Wake Forest basketball last night. A tough game between the two of them um, last night. Wake Forest, whew, we'll get to it. I feel bad for Wake Forest. It's one of those things where Steve Forbes is so much smarter and such a better coach than what any of the players on the court at Wake Forest currently deserve. That was my biggest takeaway from last night. Uh, And who knows what's going to happen to Devin Daniels. Non-contact injury, had a double-double, 20 points, 10 rebounds, goes down with a non-contact injury. NC State fans should be concerned and should be worried about uh, 
have you seen the last of Devin Williams playing, excuse me, Devin Daniels playing in an NC State Wolfpack uniform? We'll get to some of that a little bit later today. This is the Sam Avila Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Sam Avila Show. I've gotten on this kick where I've, uh, I don't, I don't even know if they have a band name, uh, but the YouTube channel, I think it's just the guy's name, Alex Melton. But you can just Google or YouTube search if Blink 182 wrote, and it'll fill in like the rest of the songs for you. This is like a little bit. If you're listening on the radio, you can hear it. If you're listening on the podcast, you don't get music uh, because of licensing stuff. But this is a band who they literally just go and recreate classic songs and make it sound like Blink 182 sang it. Which for me personally is uh, <laughs> is absolutely amazing because growing up as like a '90s kid, everything sounded like Blink 182, kind of whiny all the time. Um, but anyways, if you want something to check out, I encourage you to do that. Welcome back to the Sam Avila Show. This segment being brought to you by Toyota of Newburn. Look, Toyota of Newburn always wants to wants you to come out there and make a trade with them, but they specifically right now, okay, I'm getting this info straight from the big man himself, Mr. Toyota of Newburn. They need trucks specifically right now. Four-wheel drive, four-door, crew cab, whatever you got. Toyota of Newburn wants to make a deal. They need trucks on the lot ASAP. ASAP. So if you've got a truck and you're looking to make a deal, we'll head out to Toyota of Newburn. They will make you an offer you can't refuse. Offering 120% of the Kelly Blue Book value for your trade-in today. Take that money, upgrade the truck. Basic economics. <laughs> I didn't study economics. I don't know if it's basic economics or what the hell that is. Uh, but that's Toyota of Newburn, proud sponsors of us right here on the Sam Avila Show. Uh, we talked plenty of Deshaun Watson earlier in the show. I wanted to get away from that for just a minute because it's, it's, it's just turned into the Deshaun Watson show on this show for the last three weeks. We will probably loop back around to that before we get out of here today. I did think about this, though, during the break. It's got to be impossible to be a Houston sports fan right now. Or just what a roller coaster of emotions. I can't think of a couple-year period for any other sports town. I guess maybe Tampa's had it good lately. But just think about the roller coaster that you would have had as a Houston fan over the last couple of years where what you go from winning a World Series, right? You watch your MLB team, this historic run, Houston Astros win the World Series only to be caught up in the massive cheating scandal. And then you watch your NBA team trade away their two superstars. Right? They blow everything up. They trade away Chris Paul. Cool. They give you Russell Westbrook. And then they trade away Russell Westbrook. And then James Harden wants out. And you thought everything was at the palm of your hands. You thought the Rockets were maybe going to make it work and get to the cusp of a championship. Nope. It's all blown up, and now you got John Wall and Boogie Cousins. And then now, your NFL team, who's really never been good, (laughs) they trade away their franchise quarterback, or are potentially going to be trading away their franchise quarterback after trading away maybe the best wide receiver in all of football last year. That's... (laughs) Oh, that's... Got to be rough. I mean, at least the Astros are still good, and the punishment they got was a total joke. So I guess you can live with that. And in your hearts, you still have that championship. 
maybe moving on from James Harden and Russell Westbrook was just uh, getting out of a toxic relationship. I don't know if I can spin the Houston Texans thing, what they have done, and then the the hiring. I I don't I try not to overly criticize coaching hires because it's not like I follow these guys, but I'm telling you, just do your research on David Culley and the success or lack thereof he has had as a position coach. We went through some of that earlier. Just look up the 2014 Kansas City Chiefs, and that's really all you need to do. Uh, but if you missed any of that conversation, of course, you can always check out the show each and every single day. The Sam Avila Show podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, but NC State, NC State and Wake Forest were in action last night. I want to start with Wake Forest, and then I'll get to NC State because... Not the better storylines, probably the worst storylines, but the more important storylines emerged from the Wolfpack last night. I have not watched a whole lot of Wake Forest football, or excuse me, basketball this year. I was laughing because I was telling the story last week how I came up here and said Wake Forest was an ACC basement dweller this year, and my phone immediately started blowing up from one of my Wake Forest fan friends. And he said, I will be circling January 27th on my calendar. And you will feel the wrath of the mighty Demon Deacons. I'm not going to lie. I was nervous at times last night. That wasn't really so much because of anything Wake Forest was or was not doing on the court. It was more just because NC State has their own boneheaded style of basketball that they are very accustomed to playing. But last night was the first time that I watched a full Wake Forest basketball game this year. Uh, My two biggest takeaways. Number one, and make sure I get this kid's name right. Uh, Carter Witt, is that the kid with the Goldilocks? Let me look him up and make sure I've got the right player here. Yeah, Goldilocks. Um, if you have not watched the Wake Forest game this year, I'm not urging you to do so because it's pretty ugly basketball right now. But Carter Witt both has the worst hair and the best hair that I've ever seen in my life. It's like somebody introduced Trevor Lawrence to a curling iron on a basketball court. I have never in my life seen a long, curly-haired basketball player. His, his hair is past his shoulders. <laughs> this guy is a treat to watch. Now, he's not very good. Uh, Carter Wood is not a very good basketball player. Or at least he didn't show it last night. Let me not disparage him too much because, again, I have not watched much Wake Forest basketball. But I could not take my eyes off of Carter Witt last night. But I really wanted to do everything I could to take my eyes off of Wake Forest. And if it was not for the fact that I was just waiting for the 10-minute scoring drought to ultimately arrive for NC State, which they tried their hardest in the waning moments of that game to just go on a complete scoring drought, I did not like watching Wake Forest last night. And the only thing I could think about the whole entire time was... Do you remember? Because I had this. I played basketball was one of my favorite sports to play organized when I was growing up. I played at school level and all that stuff. And I always really enjoyed it because I was fortunate enough to have some coaches that I really enjoyed playing for. But I always remember, and I will, uh, I had a coach when I was probably, I don't know, 13 or 14 years old that tried to teach us the triangle offense. A triangle offense, which obviously was made uh, famous by Phil Jackson. I don't know if it's kind of outdated now or what, but trying to teach 13- and 14-year-old basketball players a triangle offense is a task that you very quickly find out may not be worth the headache and the frustration. It's kind of complicated. 
It requires a lot of, you know, seeing what the next step's going to be, where the next pass is going to be. Okay, well, I move here, I move here. When I was watching Wake Forest last night, all I could think about the whole entire time was, holy cow, Steve Forbes is way too good of a coach for the players that he had on offense. Way too good of a coach for the players that he had on offense. You could see how much ball movement Steve Forbes wants to institute in this team. Ball movement and perimeter shooting. That's what he did at East Tennessee State. That's what he's trying to do. Unfortunately, it seems like the best three-point shooter that he has on this team is his best big man. And Ismail Massoud, who what shot like another eight or nine three-pointers last night, fortunately for the Wolfpack, he wasn't able to connect uh, the way he was doing over the weekend, where I think he made eight or nine three-pointers. But all I could think about the whole entire time I was watching Wake Forest was this coach is two steps ahead of every single player on the court. You always hear the expression like, you know, and Lord knows I run into this all the time talking on the radio, where your brain is two steps ahead of the words coming out of your mouth. And sometimes it's better to just slow down and let the pieces sync up, right? You got the the brains of the operation. You got the CPU here. And then you've got the actual carrying out of the act or speaking the words that come to your mind. And sometimes you just get caught up and you start stumbling. (laughs) Sometimes the engine is moving faster than the wheels allow it. And watching Wake Forest last night, that is all I could think the whole entire time. You could see that Steve Forbes is thinking two or three steps ahead. He's like, hey, you know, whip it around the perimeter. Somebody needs to be cutting on the baseline here. And all of those steps would eventually happen on any given play. But it was always just a touch slow. It was always a touch slow. It's why it turned into 19, no, excuse me, 20 turnovers for Wake Forest last night. Most of those came in the first half. It's why I got to this game a little bit late. I was checking on my phone before I could get in front of the TV, and NC State was down something like 14-2 to at some point. And so I just threw my hands up in the air in frustration. But by the time I got home and sat on the couch and turned the game on, uh, it scored completely flipped. It was like 25 to 14 at that point. It's because Wake Forest just couldn't take care of the basketball. It's because they couldn't run their offense, or if they wanted to run the offense, they just don't have the horses. That's what I said about Wake Forest yesterday. I think Steve Forbes is terrific. Love his attitude. Fun as all get out. But he's coaching Danny Manning's, Manning's players. And you know, you want to know what Danny Manning didn't do? Run any kind of smooth, well-oiled machine of an offense. And so you're taking those same outdated, relegated pieces and you're giving them to Steve Forbes. So it really just affirmed what I felt about Wake Forest last night where I've, I have watched Wake Forest and I have assumed that the cupboard was just left too bare for Steve Forbes. And last night was all the confirmation I needed. He's going to be fine. Maybe some of these players will will develop um, you know around everything that he wants to do but in the meantime in the interim it's uh it's just gonna be tough sledding for Wake Forest the Demon Deacons let's see who they have next I'm telling you the Carter Witt kid you really just need to check him out his, his hair is it's glorious it is both amazing and horrible at the same time because it's amazing because the guy just got you know a fabulous head of lettuce but it looks so out of place on the white on a uh, basketball court. He looks like the uh, um, 
is it Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or is it the, um, oh gosh, what is the McConaughey movie? All right, all right, all right. Why can I not think of that? All right, all right, all right. Movie. Is that Days and Confused? Yeah, Days and Confused. No, it's not. He kind of looks like Matthew McConaughey's character from Days and Confused a little bit. Is it Fast Times at Ridgemont High? What's what's the old movie that I'm trying to think of? Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Is it this guy? Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. This kid Carter Witt for Wake Forest looks exactly like Sean Penn's character in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> so some of you may be picturing that. Now, now I want you to stick it in a Wake Forest basketball jersey and have him playing on the ACC Network last night. <laughs> Oh, but the bigger story last night was uh, was NC State, I believe, and and not just because not just because I'm an NC State fan, but because NC State may have had their hopes at making any kind of a run this year dashed simply by one non non contact injury to their leading scorer, the guy that we said on this show yesterday was the most reliable and consistent player for the NC State Wolfpack, had 20 points and 10 rebounds before planting his left leg and collapsing to the floor. Devin Daniels, non-contact. I'm assuming it's a knee injury. I haven't really had any extra information released from NC State today on this. Devin Daniels did not return to the game last night. NC State was able to hang on without him, but they lost their, their leading scorer for the season. I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and assume for the season. I hope he comes back. But anytime it's a non-contact injury, and he was rolling around in pain, obvious pain. He was on the ground for three or four minutes before they finally carried him off. He couldn't put any weight on that left leg. Bad news for NC State last night. So I'm going to try to spin this as best I can. Because I don't know if there's any positives I can tell you, NC State fan, that's going to... <laughs> result in you being happy and feeling confident that the Wolfpack can maybe make a run. Right? They had lost four straight games before last night. And you think that playing Wake Forest is an opportunity to get off the schneid, but a win still feels like a bigger loss with the loss of Devin Daniels. I don't want to harp on it too, too much, but the positive that I'm going to try to take away from this is that Devin Daniels is a senior. DJ Funderburk is a senior. NC State is going to look very different next year than they have for the last two or three years when the two of those guys have been leading the way. What NC State is now going to have to turn to, what NC State is now going to be relying on, is the growth of Manny Bates. And more specifically, the growth of, I'm going to say the two, but I really think it's three young guards on this team who they need to take a step forward. Cam Hayes and Shaquille Moore, Shaq, who both got the most run I've seen them get all year last night. I think uh, they both played right around 20 minutes in the game. And then the third guy that I don't think is really being spoken about too much yet in NC State circles, but fits right into the Devin Daniels role as that um, mid-size swing guard, Darion Sebron. Sebron was a guy who came in two years ago as a top 100 ESPN recruit, ended up sitting out all of last year. Um, I think it was, I, I mean, I don't, I think it was just like an academic red shirt or something. Got his first real minutes of action last night. And when I say first real minutes, it was still only like eight or nine minutes. Didn't do a whole heck of a lot, but I think he's the guy that needs to step up for NC State if they, 
if they want to have a similar player like Devin Daniels, a guy who can be active on the boards, a guy who's big enough to hold his own guarding a couple of different positions, and a guy who is just very talented, or is supposed to be in Sebron, very talented at getting to the rim. Cam Hayes, Shaq Moore, Darion Sebron. NC State fans, I hate to do this to you, and I hope I can change my tune in a week or two, but this is now getting those younger guys more experience, more work, and hope that they can mature very quickly and maybe not turn this season, the remainder of this season, into a lost season for the NC State Wolfpack. Because it's teetering real close, right? And you look at NC State and what they've got in their upcoming schedule. Take on a good Syracuse team. Um, That'll be... I guess that's Sunday. That'll be Sunday evening, actually, 6 o'clock. NC State on the road at Syracuse. They've got a Wednesday night matchup against UVA, who is number 8 in the country right now. They have to see Syracuse again. They have to still see Duke. They've got to see Pittsburgh twice. They've got to see Virginia Tech again. It's a bit of a gauntlet coming down the stretch for an NC State team that is now just 7-5 and five on the season after having lost their previous four before last night. It's really, really painful to say, like, oh, this season, which we thought had so much hope just two or three weeks ago, now feels like it is all evaporated. All the hope is evaporated out of the room. But the silver lining here is you still have a couple of really exciting young players. And Cam Hayes showed, I thought last night, an exceptional ability to drive into the paint and collapse the defense and kick out of it. He's going to be your more true point guard feeling guy going forward. And I've actually thought all year that NC State needed to find a way to be more comfortable with getting the ball into his hands. Because it's Devin Daniels, and if it hasn't been Devin Daniels, it's been Braxton Beverly. And Braxton Beverly continues to just be a liability for this team. Uh, Don't even get me started. Beverly had three points last night. It's the most bizarre example of a player who has done nothing but regress since his college career started. But the regression of Braxton Beverly could lead to the rise of Cam Hayes as the true point guard, the lead point guard on this team. The other guy you're going to fall in love with, he's shown flashes throughout the year, and he's shown the ability to score, which is what NC State's going to have to deal with replacing first and foremost. The leading scorer, a guy can give you 20, 30 in points a night in Devin Daniels, gone for the year. Freshman Shaq Moore is going to be the guy who steps up, playing opposite of Cam Hayes. A couple weeks ago, one of NC State's game, he exploded for 18 or 19 points, already a career high. He's the guy who you're going to look to to find his shot when nobody else can. If there's nothing being created within the offense, Shaq Moore is the guy, and he's shown it a lot already this year. He's not scared of anybody. He will not back down from trying to dunk over somebody. Literally last night, he went for a dunk. Uh, ended up having to pull it down and just convert it a layup instead. But it was one of those like, oh, shoot, we're about to see a poster. <laughs> and my girlfriend Rachel turns to me and she says, Moore, isn't that the guy that just tries to dunk on everybody? He's already got that reputation. Okay, He's already got that reputation. So there is no way that I can spin Devin Daniels going down with an injury and say that NC State will be okay. I don't think they're going to be okay. I think if you want an NIT appearance, you're really going to have to exceed expectations the remainder of the season because there's some built-in losses in this schedule and losing Devin Daniels. I'm serious. That was that was what was so great about Devin Daniels the past. Well, this is his third season at NC State now since transferring from Utah a few years ago. 
His best ability was, hey, we got nothing. Can you find a way to just get us two points? And he would spin his way into the lane. He'd turn around 367, 20, 10, 80, backwards finger roll. Somehow it falls in. That was Devin Daniels' gift. Plus defender. Guy that mostly you could trust with the ball in his hands. That's what NC State just lost their point guard. This is NC State losing their most important player on offense. I think this is going to be a neat opportunity for DJ Funderburk to try to step up. I have been adamant in my belief that DJ Funderburk can be an NBA player because of his scoring ability. I actually learned last night during the broadcast that DJ Funderburk is second in NC State history in field goal percentage. Second in the history of that basketball program in field goal percentage. Dude is efficient. Dude is efficient. But NC State's going to need him to... Honestly, the Wolfpack are going to have to sacrifice that efficiency in the name of just forcing more shots from Funderburk. Because you're going to need some offensive production from elsewhere. You're going to have to make up for Devin Daniels' 20-22-23 a night. Outside of the offense, I think NC State can make up for it. I think defensively they can mask any deficiencies that may come from this. I think they can still get after it on the boards with or without Devin Daniels. But I think the silver lining here needs to be, hey, this is going to be an opportunity This is going to be an opportunity for some of these younger guys who we have been excited about in Wolfpack Nation. This will be an opportunity for some extra exposure. And if you look at what Kevin Keats has tried to build, there were so many transfers and unheralded recruits in the first few years of Kevin Keats' career. Now is the time where they have to start building on that. There's a couple, like Nick Farrar, and I can't remember the other fellow's name. There have been a couple of recruits who are four-star guys for NC State in this past cycle who haven't even seen any action this year. I haven't seen the action. NC State hasn't needed them. Probably don't worry about running. I guess you don't have to burn a red shirt because of uh, you know the COVID rules. So here's maybe an opportunity for some of those guys to get some more exposure. The good news is that if they get more run now, they will maybe be prepared for their sophomore seasons, their junior seasons, and then this bridge that has existed for Kevin Keats between the post-Godfried era and the, hey, I'm Kevin Keats, hopefully I can figure out how to recruit in North Carolina and build a consistent roster off of my guys and not just picking off the Devin Danielses and the uh, Thomas Allens of the world. He doesn't want to consist, construct a roster year in and year out that is made up of Utah and Nebraska transfers. That's what he's been dealing with most of the time so far. This may just... I'm, I'm trying to be positive here, okay? It's hard. All right, I'm, I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken that Devin Daniels is out for the season. Uh, may be the last time we ever see him play in a Wolfpack jersey. Guy's been one of the more offensively exciting players that we've seen since TJ Warren. Like, even Dennis Smith Jr. didn't have the offensive ability that Devin Daniels has had. He was more explosive, but Devin Daniels is trustworthy. The guy's trustworthy. NC State just lost that. Tough day. Tough day in Wolfpack Nation. Uh, Here is Kevin Keats after the game last night. Well, it was good to get back on the right track. Um, You know, I I thought our guys uh, played extremely hard today. You know, it's – we've had two really good practices and what made it special was that, you know, for the first time I've had everybody in practice and everybody was healthy. And so the competition in practice was so, was really, really good. 
uh, we focus on coming into this game knowing that those guys could really shoot the basketball. The last couple of games, they've made 15 and 13 threes, and we wanted to take away the three-point shot and also wanted to get back into our pressing uh, because we haven't been able to practice a lot and our condition hasn't been great. We haven't had a chance to press as much, so we were able to you know, play a little bit more 2-2-1 and some man-to-man. You know, I thought by my stat sheet, I heard you guys talking to DJ, somebody gave us 24, but I'll take it if that's the case. Um, I'm looking at 21, uh, but what was impressive about the 21 turnovers is we were able to convert on the other end and get some easy baskets. So happy, um, you know, our guys, it was good for our guys to be able to be happy in the locker room. Uh, we just want to take this game. We want to continue to build on it. Uh, my guys want to continue to get better. So uh, questions. That was pretty much it. I mean, he talks about Devin Daniels a little bit more and just, you know, what the tough loss is going to be. Still sort of waiting and seeing the exact nature of the injury for Daniels. But um, here with a month and a half left in the season, I'm not saying Wolfpack fans abandon all hope, but I'm just saying, you know, if you want to watch these games going forward for NC State, maybe start watching them with the expectation of this being learning and teachable moments. Okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to be positive. Let's be uplifting. These are going to be learning moments and teachable moments for what is becoming very quickly a young NC State team and gets even harder uh, with the loss of Devin Daniels. We'll see how much longer it'll be out. Hopefully we'll have an update for you by the time tomorrow's show comes back around. All right. I have been texting with, I have not been able to secure him to appear on the radio show today, but I have been texting with the Charlotte Observer's Jonathan Alexander about what his thoughts are relating to Deshaun Watson and the new general manager for the Carolina Panthers, Scott Fitterer, as yes, again, Deshaun Watson made it officially official. This is like when you had a girlfriend growing up and, like, you guys said you were dating, but then she wanted you to make it Facebook official. Deshaun Watson made it Facebook official with the Houston Texans today. He's out. He don't want any part of this. No David Culley, no Nick Casario, no Houston Texans, no nothing. Deshaun Watson wants out. What does it mean for the Panthers? We talk next right here on the Sam Avalos Show. That's good, dude. This is the Sam Avalos Show right here on 252 ESPN Radio. Vaughn Casey hanging out with me here today. Vaughn, I gave you yesterday... Uh, our first random, useless Super Bowl statistic. Which, if you missed it yesterday, it was that Tom Brady has made the Super Bowl in 10 out of 21 seasons. It's 40% of the time of his NFL career. Steph Curry's career three-pointer, three-point percentage is 43%. So what I'm telling you is Tom Brady has a better chance of making the Super Bowl each year than Steph Curry does to make a three-pointer. Now for today's. And this probably bodes well if you're a Chiefs fan and you want to see Tom Brady lose in the Super Bowl this year. But Tom Brady is 6-1 and one in Super Bowls against animal teams. Mm-hmm. He is 0-2 in his career against non-animal teams mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. So bodes well for Kansas City. Okay. The Chiefs are not animals. Uh, of course, the uh, the one animal team that beat him was my Philadelphia Eagles. And the New York Giants um, beat him twice. So Tom Brady against non-animal teams is bad news. It's not his thing. It's hashtag analysis. But, but that's when he was with the Patriots. Like We're considering the matchup between a Patriot and a Falcon. 
Like, yeah, a Patriot could come back and beat a Falcon. Patriot right. couldn't come back and beat an Eagle, but it could beat a Falcon. <laughs> We're now considering what a buck, a buccaneer, mm-hmm. a pirate could do. That's the new realm. Oh, okay. So you're looking at it differently. Yeah. You're not. You're not. You're looking at the team mascot itself, and yeah. not just Tom Brady as an entity. Do you remember that episode of the Cleveland Show, where Cleveland Junior picked all of the games in the NCAA bracket based off of what mascots would be another mascot? I, I do that every single year. We do a bracket pool, and every <laughs> single year I do that, and it's. Um, it, it perennially finishes like dead last in the tournament. The mascot <laughs> challenge is not the easiest way to pick games. It's not. It doesn't he, really work. He was really good at it. <laughs> he took a lot of variables into into consideration, and he would think of them like fighting on an, a spherical plane. It was a lot. If okay, so if you were to take, if we were to take that uh, that approach mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, who would you have winning the Super Bowl? Who is the most fearsome mascot in football? I'm just thinking about how terrifying it'd be to try to fight a live tiger or a live bear. But I think a buccaneer or a chief could do that. A bear? I need. I have a. Okay, so if my girlfriend just turned off the podcast, okay, she just turned off the. Well, because <laughs> she knows where you're going with uh, yes. this. Okay, all right. Okay, is this bear related? This is bear related. All right, bear hour with Von Casey. Okay, so bears are the most terrifying thing on the earth to me. <laughs> do you know how big and average brown bear is? I I have been face to face. You're gonna okay, you're so gonna hate this story. I have been face to face in the wild. This was in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Face to face with a black bear on a trail. Vaughn, I kid you not, is the most terrifying thing. I tell the story all the time. Huge, right? Huge, huge. So this was uh, I went to like a a church youth uh, conference back uh, like every single year when I was in high school. It was up in Montreat, North Carolina, and. A couple of the guys that went to my church with me, we were all on the cross-country team at Newburn together. And it always worked out to where we would go to this camp, and it'd be like the week before cross-country season started. Mm-hmm. So every year, we'd be like, cool, we're going to get a jump on the season. While we're up in the mountains, let's be tryhards and do this altitude training. So we were up every single morning. We'd get up, and we'd go run these trails up in the mountains and you know just try to get in better shape. Vaughn, one morning, we rounded a corner. There was three of us running side-by-side side on a trail. We rounded a corner. You're sitting across the table from me. I was from me to you oh. to a black oh. bear. We ran around the corner, and we all just slammed the brakes. And luckily, I thought I was going to die. He just took off running up the mountain. Vaughn, this dude, this bear would not have fit through that door. Huge. Horrifying. Okay. So. And that's just a black bear. It's not even a grizzly bear. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Or a polar bear. So. Don't even take into consideration the fact that we don't know what kind of bear Chicago is, right? Okay. Yeah. They just, they're just the bears. <laughs> right. sounds like more than one. They're, they're deplorable bears. I'm going to go look it up. What kind of bear is the Chicago bear? But, okay, your but point, point remains, yes. But let's say that they are not the black bears, not the grizzly bears. They're the brown bears. Brown bears are huge. They are legitimately big they, brown bears can get up to like a thousand pounds Ooh. and that's not even an over exaggeration they can legit get up to a i'm sorry they can get up to a thousand and three hundred pounds oh my gosh <laughs> excuse me and they can reach in adulthood nine feet into nine feet two inches tall nine feet nine and two feet, inches tall two inches tall standing on its hind legs and that thing can run 30 miles per hour that's oh. that's ter- that's a that is a doggone minivan with teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that's te- 
terrifying. A minivan with teeth. Yeah. Yes. So apparently, um, there's an average of about 40 bear attacks per year, and only 14 percent of those are fatal. Yeah. They're, they, so I don't know, man. It's that's like, what I'm telling you. But here's the thing: yeah. they choose not to kill us. That's even scarier. That's even think about that something. is that is they, creepy. They're like, I could. If I wanted to, and I wasn't satisfied with berries and these foxes that run by sometimes, I could take you out. But you're just not important enough to me. Like, what and, happened with you and bears as a childhood? In your childhood, that because this is it sounds like this is like a pattern where you are. You said your girlfriend turned will have turned the show off. Yes, because she has heard your rant about bears before. There. I, I've watched a lot of nature documentaries when I was young. When I was younger, I wanted to be a zoologist. Okay, I cool. wanted to be like uh, Steve Irwin until that stingray killed him. Right. And I've held a grudge ever since. Did you ever see Grizzly Man, the guy who went and lived with the bears in Alaska and I then thought, admitted, and like, of course, he got eaten by the bears? Six-year-old me thought he was stupid at the time. <laughs> I was like, why would you go live with bears? So I don't know when this started. It started sometime before that came out okay. because they are terrifying. They can they can be like, oh, they're cute. Look at how their ears sit on the top of their head. That's so they can hear you coming and sense you down from miles away. <laughs> I don't care how fuzzy their ears look. They're terrifying creatures. Yeah. So okay, so I'm looking at I'm on uh, I'm on bearattackstatistics.com. Mm-hmm. Now they're usually <laughs> genuinely very friendly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> on average, there are 40 bear attacks around the world, with 11 of those attacks coming in North America. Mm-hmm. Okay, and only 14% of those end fatally. So according to the National Park Service, in a report done last year, the odds of being attacked by a bear are approximately 1 in 2.1 million. Yeah. Which means that it's more likely that you'll be killed by a bee, mm-hmm. a bumblebee, than a bear. All right, mosquitoes are the deadliest creature on the planet because of all the disease that they carry. You're not scared of bees. You're not scared of mosquitoes. No. I'm telling you, there is a 1 in 2.1 million chance mm-hmm. that you get attacked by a bear this year. And even if you do, you have a 14% chance of that killing you. Is Too all. many people walk around this world thinking they're 1 in a million. And you never know what that 1 in a million will qualify you for. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. you yeah, you're right. There, I've never said that bears are the most efficient at killing people. Right. But when it comes to a creature that is legitimately just terrifying, if it if it chose to, we're talking about a situation where you're right about that. If if the bears got together, the bear population and got they together, chose to, yeah, they could really That's they it. could wreak some. We're talking about bears that are out there just living their life. Bears aren't concerned with us, right. In the first place, usually if a bear attacks somebody, it's because you wandered into its spot and you scared it. It's probably really really scared and it's just reacting, right? Or or you're around the cubs because that's yeah. pro tip number one. You see a bear cub, you back you away, turn around and haul butt <laughs> you away back, from that situation. You back away. Or if you – and here's the thing. You're not – This is, and that's the situation I'm talking about, a situation with an enraged bear because we were talking about mascots that could win in a fight, and this means the bear is enraged enough to fight. Who else – what else is doing what a bear could do to you? Did you watch The Revenant? Yeah. <laughs> what a, what, what, Just ragdolled the uh, – A bangle? It's going to fight a tiger? Come on. What is What would you do? Would you what approach would you take? I don't even know which one is like the recommended choice, but if you see a bear, are you playing dead or are you running? I'm playing dead. You're playing dead? Don't this is another reason why she gets she doesn't like this talk. It's because you play dead. You don't run. 
I try to tell her all the time, I don't care what sports you played in high school. I don't care what sports you play currently. The fastest man alive only ran 28 miles per hour. Your average bear, Yogi, is getting up to 30. Okay. <laughs> well, see, but that, but no, you, see, you're missing the point, though, because what you do is you don't have to worry about outrunning the bear, right? You just have to uh, worry about outrunning whoever you're with. <laughs> yeah, right. basically. <laughs> so uh, still on bearattackstatistics.com, they have the question, should you play dead with a bear? And it says yes and no. Mm-hmm. If a brown bear or a grizzly attacks you, you should lay flat on your stomach with your hands clasped behind your neck. Also, be sure to spread your legs. I'm not spread. I'm not spreading my legs in a bear attack. <laughs> what <did> I- <laughs> it's just so it's just so it can play with you. It's just it's just really going to inspect you for a bit. But when it, it said brown, that's brown bear and black. That's brown and grizzly bear. So but for black, black bears, black bears stuff a little big, I think. Yeah, it says if if a black bear attacks you, do not play dead. Try to escape, and if an escape is impossible, try to fight back with any object you can reach by hitting the bear in the face and muzzle. Science, what kind of science advice says to fight the bear. That? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of advice is that? Imagine if they told children, you know, you, you just swing. If confronted <laughs> by a bear, a black just... bear. <laughs> a bl- <laughs> yeah. All right. How about I don't come face to face with the black bear then? Just I'm... square that dude up. <laughs> yeah, all right. See, I see you've been roaring for a bit. Let me. <laughs> Let me take my human hands, made for picking up stupid things, and hit you in the face, you evolved killer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hmm. See, I still don't think the bear's the most dangerous mascot, though. Okay, what other mascots are you looking at? Uh, I'm going to go Viking. Okay. I don't think a Viking... A Viking doesn't have a gun, though. Mm-mm. So it might be the Patriots, because the Patriots got a gun. Hey, they got muskets, though. What are they hitting? I mean, that's true. They're going to hit the side. They couldn't hit the side of yeah, a bar. It takes like 15 minutes to reload. The bear will kill them. Yeah. Bear's killing them. There. Bear, bear kills the Patriot. Mm-hmm. Bear kills Patriot. But uh, Bangle. I mean, I feel like if, if you're just going to go to the animal division, mm-hmm. it's bear, it's lion, and it's Bangle. No, lion, I don't go with lion because the lion mascot is a male lion, and they are historically lazy. Okay. They're very lazy. Yeah, just like the Detroit Lions. Yeah, it's like, well, it's, it's very dormant and inactive. They should change their thing to a lioness. Yeah, and then they would actually be in a better system. <laughs> Let's see. I'm trying to think. I need, to, I, need, I need a list in front of me. I can't think of. Of all of the mascots? What's a Packer? They die pretty quick, huh? Uh, yeah, I think that's literally They're like, like a steel like, worker or something. They're like workers. And that's the Steelers. <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah, it's the like a packing the, plant. Yeah, packing yeah, plant, the yeah, they die pretty quick. I guess Steelers and Packers could face off. Steelers and Packers. Chargers? I mean, would the Chargers just be electricity? Because that's the a concept of electricity. The concept of electricity. I think that might be <laughs> that the most might be, terrifying. They might win. They might electrify a bear. It's like you're just you're just electricity. You can't kill electricity. No. The Chargers might be the most unstoppable. Yeah, you're you're not wrong there. All right, huh? So I guess, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it's the Chargers. Then I don't think a bear beats the concept of electricity. Let's see. We got the Browns. Uh, All right. Broncos. No. Mm-mm. Houston Texans with a bull. Listen, we got to eliminate the Chargers because you can't beat electricity. I think the Chargers. Their there. mascot is literally Bolt Man. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're gonna. <laughs> you're, you're not gonna really beat lightning. Random lightning bolts. Okay, so Chargers are in S tier. They're in their own tier. They they win. Well, what about a jet? How do you beat a jet? That's you, what I'm saying. How do you? I mean, I guess you can like. Is it just laying prone? Is somebody driving? Is, is it, it flying? Just, because if it's a bear and like you know, you take an F-15 and just drive through that bad boy. That's crazy. The electricity still beats jet. Electricity uh, but, still beats jet. Yes. <laughs> but 
I would still take Bear over Jet if the Bear was. What I don't know what kind of condition the Jet is in. Looking at how their franchise is, I guess this is a grounded Jet with nobody driving it that just sits there. Yeah, uh, yeah. pretty old one too. <laughs> right. Just like those Blue Angels down there at Lawson Creek Park. Yeah, nobody nobody touches. Just it. dormant. Just, yeah. Okay. Okay. All so right. I I would take most things over that. I think if you just stand on top of it, you win. So Bear Beach Lion, mm-hmm. Jaguars and Panthers are too small. To beat Bear? Mm-hmm. To beat Bear. Mm, I think so. Yeah. I think so. There used to be a, a show about this. On- yeah. <laughs> Deadliest Animals <laughs> yeah, or whatever. something like that. Did you ever watch... Um, it wasn't called Ultimate Warrior. Deadliest Warrior. Deadliest Warrior. I, where they would have like Genghis Khan like fighting a samurai. Yeah, all types of ridiculousness. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, huh. Okay. So we still have Chargers winning overall. Probably. They're yeah, probably you can't beat the Charger. You can't beat electricity. I mean, it's just but, lightning personified. Yeah, so they're probably going to take that one. But well, What about Cowboys? I mean, Cowboys. They're good in the human tier. Do I get a horse if I'm getting Cowboys? Do I get a horseback Cowboys? Are you and the Broncos linked here? Oh, well, you know, if you're the Cowboys, you could still pick one of the Bronco Busters and, you know. I think, I think, I think Cowboys could do pretty well. Cowboys might be able to beat Bear. No, no, I don't know about that one. Uh, maybe what's just the ten g- steps and draw. The bear's gonna kill him. Bear's, bear's <laughs> not. Bear, I'm talking about an incensed bear, a, a bloodthirsty bear. <laughs> <laughs> this bear is is enraged. Okay, it's yeah, it's definitely the biggest, definitely the biggest mascot. Who else do we have? That I mean, could- are you giving any credence to like the eagles? Or the Falcons. No. Like a Falcon. I mean, you're talking about the fastest creature on the planet. Yeah. Which is impressive. Just peck you to death. Until somebody catches you. <laughs> okay, Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I know it's, uh, you know, the Native American thing, but their mascot is actually a wolf. It's a wolf? Yeah. Okay. And so, am I getting a whole pack of wolves? Because a whole pack of wolves can cause some damage. They could. A whole pack of wolves is taking down a bear. Probably. Probably just it's just the way that uh, wolves construct their packs because mm-hmm. now because now we're not talking about because wolves are wolves are weird they're really really weird <laughs> in the way that they they like uh, putting things together I think they might be the bear I think a, a, a wolf, wolf might be, might beat the bear might if be you the get bear. a whole pack but if you get a whole pack of wolves there's if you get a whole pack of wolves do you get a pack of, a pride alliance. Yeah, you get a pride of lions because Detroit's hashtag is one pride. Yeah. So you get a whole pride of lions. So now we're talking about lionesses too, and that makes the lions like. That might be the bear. Yeah. And the NFC North is brutal. They are. (laughs) Bears, lions, Vikings. I mean, I don't want to. I mean, do you get a whole Viking horde? Because the whole Viking horde. See, that's where the the bears have this working against them because bears don't like traveling packs, do they? No. Bears like pretty solitary creatures. Yeah. Especially like males. The, like females will keep the the cubs with them for a time, but mm-hmm. eventually they're just on their own. Mm. Yeah, that might work against them if they get an entire pride alliance. You get a horde of Vikings. Uh, do you get a pack of Packers? You just get like a factory. Yeah, <laughs> that gets. That gets. I think that's you get a just... squadron of jets. <laughs> Wait, that might be kind of lit. You get Hold a on. murder of ravens. I forgot that's what you call a group of a them. flock of ravens isn't called a flock. It's called a murder. A murder of ravens, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what other mascot would be really intimidating in a group? Because 
since we've opened it up like that, I still think Chargers win automatically. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, that's just, a thunderstorm. Yeah. <laughs> now we're just talking about like energy in all of the energy in the universe. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I would not want to mess with a flock of falcons. No, I mean, me I'm, I'm like, if I'm looking up and it's blacking out the sky, here's some falcons swooping in on me. That's like that movie. All birds. the birds could gang oh, together. Yeah. yeah. Now, look, you want to talk about something scary? How long do you think you would last in that mo- in that movie, um, Birds? I never saw Birds. I think I'm giving myself 15 minutes. Is it, it just like a bunch of birds? They have gone really mad and started attacking people. I think they just poke your eyes out. That's scary, man. Yeah, that's horrifying. We just walk around the earth with these things that could take us out if they felt like it. We could take them out, too, though. I, I, I don't know, man. I'd like to think we're in eastern North Carolina. I know a lot of duck hunters. I know a lot of dove hunters, a lot okay. of quail hunters. Like, if there's a whole mess of birds that are swooping in, I'm oh, feeling pretty safe. But there's a hunter. We're talking about them hunting. Mm. What happens when it, it's not a hunt no more? It's a fight. <laughs> <laughs> You're not hunting me no more. I'm coming for the fight. We I'm attacking you. Yeah. Can you imagine if that's what, like, if you go duck hunting, can you imagine if that's what duck hunting was? It wasn't just you, like, hiding out in a blind, shooting an unsuspecting duck. It was like, no, duck has entered the battlefield. Mm. Duck. <laughs> like, we're going, it's like, why are you going duck hunting? It's like, you're really going to leave yourself up for some exposure. So you, really, you really just don't care about your family and kids. You're going duck hunting? It's like, yeah, it's like now the duck's hunting you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that we, sounds like a horrible, like straight to DVD Netflix movie. Probably kind of already been, has to have already been made. Has to. We haven't mentioned dolphin. I think dolphin is kind of a wild card. Dolphin. I mean, if we're in the water, it's over. I mean, dolphins. Like, I bet there are more people that get raped by dolphins every year than there are that get killed by bears. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Maybe. Dolphins rape people. You know that, right? The, that is, dolphins are very aggressive. Yeah, I know that. Like they are. They're like like yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Wow. We're learning. We're going through. Dolphin, <laughs> dolphin rapes per year. We're going through the animal uh, through the animal kingdom right now. Exposing it for what it truly is. Dolphin rape stats. This is a thing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, yeah. Didn't know that was a thing. All this because I told you that Tom Brady is 6-1 and one all time in the Super Bowl against animal teams. This is the and 0-2 t- oh against non-animal teams. What do you want? Teams. Super Bowl analysis? <laughs> you want to talk about the Pro Bowl? This is what you get. Apparently, dolphins have long memories. This column says mm-hmm. if you insulted a dolphin 20 years ago, he's probably still bitter about it. Probably. That is a real article. If a, Okay. I make an expansion team. My mascot's the kangaroo. Where do I fall? Where, like, where? The kangaroo? The kangaroo. Am I supposed to be scared of kangaroos? I mean, I watch Kangaroo Jack. You I know he's like kicking you in the head. You should be scared of kangaroos. Go look up right now how buff a kangaroo can get. Oh, I've seen the the video of that one jacked kangaroo that That's like went no. viral. He's not the only one. Those things look <laughs> They're up. just down there, just pumping iron in the outback. They area. are now. This is another rant. They are legitimately terrifying. Go look at the front of their feet. The front of a kangaroo's foot. Everybody thinks they have those cute little floppers. They have a knife. It's a giant blade out of the front of their toe. <laughs> they, you know, like the velociraptors are. Cool. Look that thing up. I'm not. I'm terrified. I'm still scared. I'm still down. I can't believe that on my work computer now. I have dolphin rape on my phone. You know what? I got it from Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Apparently, that was a line. But there are, I mean, I've got a playlist of videos here of dolphins getting sexually aggressive with people. Dolphins are just little horn dogs of the sea. 
Wow. They said we can ruin everybody's childhood. I can ruin kangaroos even more if they when you know you remember that video the one you were talking about the kangaroo when it gets hold of the dog. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. You know why it was standing in the middle of the ocean or in the middle of that pond? <laughs> why? Because their first move is to drown something. Oh no. That's the, <laughs> that's the tactic they've made for fighting. So they're like, okay, you want to fight? Come into the river, and you're so mad you charge in. Their first instinct is to push your head underwater and try to drown. <laughs> They just go right to drown you. I think what we've learned here is... uh, Animals are terrifying. (laughs) Family Guy, I think, summed it up best with this clip. We now return to, damn, nature, you scary. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, nature, you scary. Yeah. You see that That thing come by my house, I kill it. That little rat-looking thing just got ate. Damn, nature, you scary. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, and there, there's your Super Bowl analysis. And for the there day. is all the Super Bowl analysis oh. you need. Go forth and make your bets accordingly. <laughs> there's no animals in the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> no, no, no. We got you for next year, though. Got you for next year. Bears. Yeah, no. It's. It, I mean, the Chargers, most dominant mascot. That's that's the consensus. I don't even understand how you fathom. How do you fight in, lightning in, in that fight? Because I'm I'm imagining on the battlefield. Everything's going like there's mayhem. Hordes of Vikings, prize of lions, it's, it's going. murders of ravens. And then the sky opens up. And there's barbecue everywhere now. Thor's hammer. <laughs> Mjolnir just flies into <laughs> flies into the middle of the field. It just destroys everything. Gosh. Look. That's uh that would I'm 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 okay with how this segment turned out. And I'm happy that we got this analysis out of the way. Yeah, hashtag analysis. Mm-hmm. This is this is what you needed. Oh, and, and what's gra- what's bad about it is it's not even we didn't even break down a chief versus that wasn't the interesting one. A buccaneer. That wasn't the interesting one. That would be an interesting one though. Like a if you wolf, took like a bunch of wolves because their mascot is the wolf or like yeah they're, they're, the KC wolf yeah a bunch of wolves versus pirates of, pirates. Who you taking? It's literally it's a literal wolf pack, so you have some attachment to it. I do have some attachment to it. Mm. I, I'm gonna go with Buccaneers. I'm gonna go with Pirates. Mm. I, a gun having guns is just is dominant. Whenever you do mascot discussions, go for the one that has a gun. Yeah, because, unless they're the concept of you know, lightning. It's it's the whole Indiana Jones thing yeah. where the guy walks in and he's. Spinning his little samurai sword all around and making a big show of it, and then Indiana Jones just shoots him. It's like, there you go, the end. Okay. All right. That was fascinating. Yeah. Um, I think we learned a lot. (laughs) I feel like we educated some people. Be afraid of bears. I had had no idea you were so terrified of bears. I just don't. I I don't. I don't like them as a concept. One in two point one million. Yeah, you don't have a good chance of getting eaten by a bear. That's you, actually too high of a number. It is. Isn't it, it seems like it's too high of a number to say there's a two point one million, one in two point one million chance that I die by a bear attack. I don't like that. There's a chance. Yeah, that that number needs to be closer to like ten million. <laughs> two point one million. It's like I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there's a possibility. It's out there. Yeah. Y'all be thinking. Y'all know forty one people. <laughs> <laughs> Keep playing. Keep playing with bears. <laughs> oh gosh keep playing with bears 
<laughs> More of the Sam Avila show coming up. All right, coming up on tomorrow's edition, the Friday edition of the Sam Avila show, we are going to bring back something that uh, I, I think we honestly just, I don't know if I forgot about it or if I just quit having time for it. I think when Vaughn started coming in, it's when that uh, the segment got scrapped. But Heroes and Zeros of the Week going to make a return on tomorrow's show. We're also going to get into earlier this morning on the ACC Network on Packer and Durham. They rolled out for all of our ACC teams their 2021 football schedules. We already had an idea of who everybody was going to be playing. But now we know when they're going to be playing them. So we'll dive into that a little bit tomorrow as well and just uh, you know breeze through those schedules. I'm not going to spend too much time. I don't know how much schedule talk you actually want to have. Um, but, you know, it puts into perspective a little bit of what the, the ebbs and flows of the season may be for your respective football team. So we'll get to that coming up on tomorrow's show. NC State fans, I know I kind of bummed you guys out earlier. Um I tried my best to spin some hope and some positivity about the Devin Daniels loss and that win versus Wake Forest last night. But, hey, maybe not all bad news today. Speaking of those college football schedules, CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd published his super early top 25 for next season. I released that earlier this morning. And surprisingly, surprisingly, Despite losing um, lots of starters on this year's team, potentially one of them being, uh, like, do we call Bailey Hockman the starting quarterback at NC State this past year? Because he like wasn't supposed to be. He was just kind of thrust into that role due to injury. It's like, did you say that Taylor Heineke is the starting quarterback for the Washington football team this year? Anyways, Dennis Dennis Dodd, uh, a shock to me, had NC State at number twenty two in his way-too-early top 25 uh, list. And the little blurb here reads, The bowl game loss to Kentucky left a sour taste, but an eight-win season was Dave Dorn's third in the last four years, despite the loss of quarterback Bailey Hockman, even though it's an upgrade because they're going back to Devin Leary, and two offensive line starters, a 6-0 and start is possible. Uh, Clemson, UNC, and Miami, the other ACC teams that also made it into the top 25. He had UNC at 17, which was... I thought surprisingly a little bit low. Um, but anyways, we'll get into that schedule stuff tomorrow. He says a 6-0 start is possible for the Wolfpack. NC State plays Clemson with their fourth game of the season next year. I know Clemson's losing Trevor Lawrence, but like they're still going to be really good. So I don't know if a 6-0 start is going to be possible. <laughs> but I was looking at these top 25, way too early top 25 rankings. Yeah, he's got UNC at 17. Um, App State, Mountaineers getting a little love at 26. I know this is all, like I said, way, way, way too early. State at 22 there. Um, oh, gosh, how far down is Wake Forest? I'm still going. How bad is Wake Forest supposed to be next year? Where is Wake Forest on this list? Okay, I must have gone past them because now I'm down like the 80s. Okay, 69. Nice. <laughs> Wake Forest, uh, way too early top 25, even though this is outside of the top 25. They've got them ranked at 69th in the country. The ECU Pirates, how about that? You guys, uh, they've got you predicted at a 3-6 and six finish next year. Number 25. Uh, let's see, where else do they have? Uh, Duke's way down here. 
They got ECU one spot ahead against Florida of, of Florida State. That's good. Uh, and then Duke all the way down at 109. So, anyways, we'll get into some of that schedule stuff tomorrow. I wanted to mention this before we got out of here today. Kind of a cool story, I thought. Because I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and twist your arm and tell you that I am a real big fan of the National Women's Soccer League. The, the women's version of the MLS. But North Carolina does have a team. We acquired a team that was uh, existing up in New York a couple of years ago. Uh, the North Carolina Courage is North Carolina's National Women's Soccer League team. They play up there at that uh, Wake, Med, Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary, North Carolina. And they're actually a pretty good franchise. They won the championship in the NWSL in 2018 and 2019. So, you know, if you're up in the area, I went to the Carolina Railhawks, which is like another little, it was like a minor league MLS team. I went to a couple of their games when I was in school up in Raleigh and always had a blast there. And I imagine if I lived in Cary, you could very much get me to come out to an NWSL soccer game. But something happened overnight for the North Carolina Courage that, look, it's, it's just cool as long as you're one of these people who loves attention being brought on any of our professional sports team in North Carolina. The highest paid female athlete in the world invested in the NWSL and uh, is becoming the team owner. Naomi Osaka, yes, the number three currently ranked women's tennis player in the world, Three-time Grand Slam tennis champion, um, like I said, the current number three, just 23 years old, Forbes' highest-paid female athlete, who raked in $37.4 million in prize money and endorsements in the last 12 months, has indeed invested in the North Carolina courage of the National Women's Soccer League to become a team owner. Very cool. Uh, very cool to say that you have... Somebody who already, I mean, when I say that she made more money than anybody, that is including Serena Williams. Over the last 12 months, she even surpassed Serena Williams in gross pay. The highest, gross pay, like literally, like it's gross how much money she made. Not because she doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying $37.4 million over the last 12 months. Going to reinvest some of that money right directly into women's professional sports. So the North Carolina Courage, we are welcoming... uh, Quite frankly, one of the biggest names, if not the biggest name, in all of women's sports. So, uh, so pretty cool. There going to be one of those things that if we can ever go back to sporting events, uh, it puts the courage on the map. You know, I didn't know we had a, a professional soccer team until like the World Cup because one of the players played for the NC Courage. That was the first time I learned of it. But it sounds like they're pretty good, and now they just got a lot more important because Naomi Osaka has thrown her hat into the ring. So. Uh, that's just cool. Don't be a hater. Enjoy it. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for the Sam Avalos Show. Coming up again on tomorrow, Heroes and Zeros of the Week. We're going to get into these ACC football schedules that were released earlier this morning. That'll be on tomorrow's show. As always, you can check me out on Twitter at Sam Avalos. You can always email me, Sam, at 252radio.com. And if you miss any of the shows, you can always go back and listen on the podcast. That's just the Sam Avalos Show podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate you listening. See you back here at 4 o'clock tomorrow.